the uh the new james webb space telescope images you see those they were cool yeah yeah the the apple connection is that these are you know that that last one they released that's uh like a, a the star stars being born uh that needs to be a wallpaper like they you know they they need to do that or or a uh apple tv screensaver Ooh, yeah yeah, yeah. i mean that, i mean that's a good point with their wallpaper system they've got now with all those different like pack options yep it'd be great if there was extensibility and sure whether that's via apple or with a like an app store kind of thing because do you remember when we did that reporting on the wallpaper stuff in like i was 13 it seemed like there was going to be like a developer framework for it so other apps could contribute wallpapers yeah we talked about how there's like apps that already make wallpaper suggestions but you have to save them to your photos and you can make that and that there seemed to be support or you know evidence for support of like making your wallpaper from the app and and not doing the photos save method yeah obviously that hasn't materialized for i was 16 but maybe in the future it definitely seems that that screen could accommodate that kind of stuff yeah and if and if they're not going to support third-party options there because because now there's even more reason to make like a an sdk for an api because the wallpapers are not static images are they they're like animated right. and they got some parallax to them and yeah and so if a third-party app can't just give you the the perfect version whereas if it was they're little like, they're, they're apps themselves yeah they are little mini apps themselves so if, if if you could have like an app extension provide them for you you could get some really cool custom ones um but if they're not going to do that they should at least add a few you know add one or two every six months or so just to keep it fresh kind of like what they do with watch faces yeah um if, and they obviously if, they don't support third-party watch faces either which is another mistake but you know what i mean like they can they can add a few more and, and partnering with like space and like the Apple TV screensavers are so cool. Like the aerials, they could have them on the. They could have a version of aerials on the iPhone where it doesn't have to be like moving videos crazily, but you know, just little like one or two stop motion kind of things. That'd be neat. Yeah, but could be a sh- shuffle pack where you go through them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so right now they've only really ventured with that clownfish one that we've talked about last week. But there's a lot more wallpapers they could they could spruce up in there with some three Dness clownfish. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we have new betas this week. We have the we have the release of iOS 16 beta 3 part 2 <laughs> and, and the public beta so yeah there's that yeah the public beta which are yeah. I guess the, the newsworthy thing although for us it doesn't really matter because we have them installed from the yeah. beginning yeah but if you yeah. I mean we always get the question when public betas come out should you install them absolutely I I, Take I think most people phone. do not have an issue like installing your slightly phone. worse yeah deal with it You're, your grandma's ipad your boss's phone like you know everyone's like just do it <laughs> if you listen to this podcast you're probably gonna be fine you know like that's true that's yeah. true not like, not because you know you're tech-minded but because you're listening to the podcast well you but you know what i mean right like if like you, we're putting our- <laughs> if you've already decided to listen to this show you're probably gonna be adventurous enough or technically minded enough to get it and if there is some weirdness it's like oh it's just the beta and it yeah. is although it although you do not like your iCloud backups and stuff can get out of whack if it really is really really bad you can restore back down to iOS 15 and generally you'll you'll just be able to pick up from where you like the you, the, up, the, the backup before you updated so you could argue that if you listen to this podcast you shouldn't update because you're already making a very smart decision so that that then you wouldn't go to the risky route but the only gotcha i will add is point. the photo library stuff so because there's obviously a lot of photo library changes this year if you upgrade like your photo library is it on the mac right to ventura then you can't see it if 
on another Mac that's down, that's running an older version of the operating system. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I don't know if you if it's like with multiple Macs. I guess with multiple Macs it would work, but you but you can't take your photo library file and then open it again on an older version of Mac OS. So yeah, yeah so that might be a concern, but. What I Even do, if you don't use the new changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So what I do, I install it on my phones and my iPads and stuff, um, if I had one. I don't do it on a Mac, maybe, but not really for any concern reason. I just don't do it. And the, the, Sometimes there's some slightly more weirdness on the Mac I find than the iOS stuff, and the Mac is more crucial to my job. So I don't... Like, if the iPhone's a bit wonky, you can live with it, you know? Like, if the Mac stops working for what I need to do, that's a bigger problem. But I'm pretty sure I could update the Mac and be perfectly fine too, most like, almost every single year. So if I was a bit more crazy, I'd do that too, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But I only have one Mac, so I don't do it. But I know you do, obviously, and you only have one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or at least only bored. one right now. I just get bored and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> impatient. I think I think Photoshop didn't work on, on iOS on uh, Beta 2. Don't know if beta three fixed that or not, but if you rely on Photoshop on the iPad, there's the thing. But something else funny is that these these um these embargoed preview reviews of the software updates came out when uh sites like The Verge and, and Six Colors and others have these, you know, embargoed stories where they it's like a review, but it's not not yet a review. <laughs> it's like the the draft of the review. But it's the same thing as a review. It's the ad for the public beta, yeah. That's what it is, yeah. yeah. It's the it's the marketing of the public beta. Yeah, I mean, clearly Apple intends a lot of people to install it because they otherwise they wouldn't set up public beta embargoes and press coverage and stuff. They would just yeah, they would do it quieter. Yeah, they would do it less like, fanfare. Yeah, and 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 when they first did public betas, probably what iOS ten kind of time frame, it was more subdued. It was like here's the public beta, but you got to find it on your own, right? We're not going to really yeah. talk about it. But then in They've obviously got more confident in future years, and now it's like a, it's like the the event before the main event in September. It's like here's the public yeah. beta, get everybody on board, and they like, you know, they don't stop anybody from installing it really, and then like you know jump ahead. And even Apple, even um, like Apple Care is trained to give basic support running the beta, and which basically means they'll know how to uninstall it for you and revert back to older version. Sure. So they give the they give the baseline support out there for that stuff. So they want people to install the public beta. You just t- do a you just take some responsibility that. It's still a beta at the end of the day, but in most cases, it never really raises its head in any destructive manner. Before the public beta program, it was Appleseed, which still exists, and that's basically an invite-only program to test purely software. <laughs> and I, I think you'd, you'd get into that if you were a vocal member of the Apple support community. You know, a few, a few weeks ago, they announced this new thing. I forget what it's called, but it's like it's it, they described it as Apple support perks for our most contributing members oh on like the forums yeah 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 yeah. one of the one of the promises was uh more features coming soon or like like more benefits coming soon (laughs) i don't think they have a quite have a clear uh clear clear way of uh pushing it but that was that's kind of a weird one but yeah uh so in in beta three developer release and in, in public beta one um we finally have a very exciting feature, which is the album art lock screen feature. That yeah, and this off. wasn't in the first release. This only came out in the second release of beta. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, the the feature flag was turned was there 
the code was there. It just didn't work. And this could be the only reason for a second release. Because uh, I think code-wise, like, everything was identical. Uh, but yeah, this was shown off at WWDC as, as one of the lock screen features. It's, it's, you know, now when you're playing music, you can have the album art go to full, uh, you know, width and take over the, the lock screen. And, um, you know, we kept looking at looking for it in, in the beta one and beta two and, and original beta three. But it's it's finally there and it works. Have you have you had experience with this? Oh, yeah. Oh, this is great. This is this is yeah. the best second release of a beta I've ever done because <laughs> yeah. you play some music you and then i think by default now it goes to the new layout where the open mic goes yeah. in the center and it just has the controls at the bottom so if you care about your wallpaper you can tap on the album art and it shrinks back down to the tiny little tile and then you yeah. can see your wallpaper again but i think a lot of people while they're playing music they like seeing the album art and it just kind of has a bit more variety and if yeah. you go back a while, but if you do go back a while, that's how the the lock screen always used to work. It would always show your album on the lock screen. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe I think that might have been the case up until iOS seven. Like, it was definitely oh. true in the skeuomorphic days. I don't know if it made its way into the iOS seven later versions, but yeah. in iOS six and under, you would basically have like an iPod UI on your lock screen when you're playing music, and this basically brings that back as an option. So you have the kind of card like little bubble. And the album art can pop out of that and sit in the center. And I think it. I think it looks really nice. There are some edge cases where it kind of overlaps the content in a weird way, or the Chrome gets in the way. But sure, know, yeah. It's the first. It's the first beta of this feature, so there's nothing. There's nothing inherent about the design that makes that a problem. So I'm sure they'll fix up the the yeah, size uh, issues. But it, it looks good. Yeah, it, it's a it's a break from your wallpaper or you know whatever lock screen you use. You know because it's a full takeover, and uh, you get that cool. Get the cool background, like you said, you know, best based, this based on the album art. So what I've experienced is, uh, I think it was off by default, but the first time I tapped the artwork, then it just sort of saved that, you know, it, it remembers the last state mm-hmm. as a, as a, as a preference. And so it was the, it was full screen. That was good. It was for Apple. It was for music. So that, that made sense. And then the thing happened where if you have, an Apple TV or a HomePod in, in the home and your home on the, on the Wi-Fi network. Sometimes you're now playing capsule for lack of a better description becomes, if you're not playing something from your phone, it will become what is like what media is playing so that you've got instant access to media playback controls there. So for example, if I'm watching a movie in the Apple TV, then my lock screen on the iPhone would become the artwork. For that movie, you know, and of course you can toggle it away, but then it, it, then it remembers that your music state is also toggled away. So then you go back, you, then you're managing the feature. Um, I've also seen where if I, if I, like I was, I was watching, um, like, like a live, live TV station that was streaming and it was just the very bad artwork for the TV station. And then that was the, the full screen takeover and it was just, you know, on the one end, you yeah, on one end you have you know you have your music takeover, which is meant to be very pretty, like a magazine, and then on the other end, you've got just these side effects that they aren't actually intended to work that way. And um, yeah, may, maybe if it was only for music, maybe that's the maybe that's an angle they could they could look at it at it from for future releases. But yeah, I'm trying um, to remember what the old like iOS six behavior was. I think it still showed the controls. But maybe it just blacked out the wallpaper or something, or it didn't show the wallpaper if it was a video. It was something like that. It, yeah. 
because because on on the iOS six design, the album art would be edge to edge because the phones were smaller. So like the middle gap between the slide to unlock and the clock would be rectangle would be a square. So the album yeah. art like fit perfectly in there. Obviously, with modern phones, they're huge, so that doesn't work. So the the iOS sixteen version it is inset as a rectangle. It's not like edge to edge, but I get that. Why I get why they've done that. Um, yeah. But I think for the video stuff, it didn't, or maybe it put borders around it or something. But I know what you mean. Like, if you have bad album, if whatever you're playing has bad album art, then yeah, it doesn't look as good. But I, 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 I think I did like a frame from the video, <laughs> whether it was beautiful or not. You know, because like obviously Apple Music album might be beautiful, especially on their playlists and stuff, because they commissioned mm-hmm. all that artwork. So yeah, if you've got that set up, it's really nice. Uh, yeah, and I think it, it's worth it for that. Like. The amount of times you're you're watching stuff with bad album art is quite rare, really. And like most of the times when you're watching stuff with bad album art, you're watching it. You're not on the lock screen because it's like you're watching a video. You've got it open, you know. So yeah, yeah. It's, I think it, I think it, it it attacks most use cases really nicely. And if you really don't like it, you tap it and it goes away. Yeah, it's just when you're at home like me all the time. <laughs> Your kids watching TV and all. I mean, you can turn yeah. you can turn the that setting off, so you could always Which have setting? to manually switch if you want. Hmm. Can you? Yeah. Where's that setting? Where's that setting? There's a setting somewhere. Uh, it's you like see? under the. It's like <laughs> settings, general, airplay, and whatever that's called. And then there's a button, there's a toggle in there that'll turn it off, so it doesn't automatically mm-hmm. switch. Okay, I'll try to see on that one. And then also in iOS 15.6 and 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 you know naturally in 16, there's new behavior for live sports streaming. It's truly innovative feature that is. Uh, what is this feature? <laughs> so obviously right now this only applies to the Friday Night Baseball stuff because that's the only live sports you can watch inside the TV app natively. Yeah. But next year you'll have um, MLB and probably NFL as well. So it's nice to hear that they've now added the ability to, when you click on the baseball stream, it'll ask you to want to watch live or watch from the beginning. So you can immediately start back at the beginning if you didn't, if you catch the game like halfway through and you want to go back to the start. While you're watching... The stream you can now pause, an incredibly innovative feature, like being able to pause a stream, amazing. And then you, you can fast forward to catch up to live if you paused, or you can even rewind from where you are and go back and see some stuff again. So if a cool play happens, you want to watch it again, now you can just go back. Whereas the initial release of Friday Night Baseball in the TV app, you could do nothing but watch it. If if something happened in the past, you were done until the whole thing, the whole stream ended, you can go back and find the uh, the VOD. It, uh, and then the, the VODs were only available in America, like... In international markets, they don't have the rights to the VODs, annoyingly. So I'm in the UK. If I cared about baseball and I didn't <laughs> want to wait until 3 a.m., which is when most of these games stream in my time zone, it's it's just completely gone. Whereas in America, in the TV app, they also have the back catalog, so you can go watch on demand if you want, but that's not available. Yeah. But yeah. if you catch the streams, you can now uh, rewind, which is cool. Yeah, v- VOD, video on demand. And any, yeah. any, uh, yeah, do you like that term of art? <laughs> <laughs> Any feature improvement to TV app is obviously very welcome, and they've they've certainly got a lot of features to do. So if they can yeah. check one off the list, that's always good. This was a requirement for the NFL media contract, possibly like, quite possibly. You've, you know, you've got to be able to pause. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they get do some like because as we joked, being able to pause and rewind the, a stream is incredibly primitive behavior. But <laughs> some some more slightly more sophisticated stuff is like what we talked about when the. Um, MLS deal was announced, like uh, side by side, picture in picture, multiple streams at once. Mm-hmm. These these kind of features are available in other video apps like ESPN Plus. You can do multi streaming on the Apple TV box and stuff. And so there's a lot of 
feature possibility that the TV app could implement. But equally, there's a lot of feature possibility that TV app can implement compared to any streaming service for Apple TV Plus, and they don't do it, or they just haven't done it to date. So it's something yeah. to watch out for because anything that's... they can do there makes the experience a lot better. Yeah, that's the benefit of, I guess it began with, with MLB media that just, you know, they knew if they wanted to do streaming right, they needed to not only have solid streaming technology, but also just a really good video player with, with, and, and they made all those features, you know, to make it compelling. And it was strictly for baseball. And then, you know, I think, I think they sold to Disney or so. And, and that's where ESPN maybe gets it from. And, um, so, but it was sports. I mean, you get those features for sports, and Apple's just starting from the from scratch here. And but, but you know, they obviously have the control and the power to do it. It's just a matter of time. Happy Hour this week is brought to you by Zocdoc. If you're a fan of it, sushi is incredible. But gas station sushi, not so much. Finding the right sushi restaurant makes all the difference, and the same goes for finding the right doctor. With Zocdoc, you can find the right doctor for you in your network and in your neighbourhood. One that makes you feel like you're in good hands, that you're supported and that you're being heard, even if you're telling them about your favourite sushi place. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance and are available when you need them. Go to ZocDoc.com slash happy hour to get the app and sign up for free. ZocDoc has thousands of providers listed in one app. You can find every type of specialist, whether you're trying to straighten your teeth, fix an achy back, get that mould checked out, or anything else, ZocDoc has got you covered. And the app is super simple to use. Search, find, and book doctors in just a few taps. You can easily read up on doctors in your area and see what real humans had to say about their visit with verified patient reviews. Just go to ZocDoc.com, choose a time slot, and select whether you want to see the doctor in person or via video visit. So now when you walk into that doctor's office, you are all set to see someone in your network who gets you. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. It's the go-to place whenever you need to find and book a quality doctor. So, go to ZocDoc.com slash happy hour and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. Once again, that's ZocDoc.com slash happy hour, spelt Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash happy hour. Thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring the show. Mayo, if you went to the gas station and, and got their sushi and had a negative reaction, could you use ZocDoc to find a doctor to help you? Very much so. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is macOS System Settings, the uh, all-new app in the brave new world of uh, iOSifying the experience on the Macintosh. It's a bold rethinking of of how we control our preferences on the Mac and our preferences are no longer preferred. They're now settings. How, how like before we get into the discussion about the app, how uh-huh. how popular uh-huh. do you think the system preferences now called system settings app is used? Like I always think about this like the iOS settings app because the app doesn't do anything apart from checkboxes, you know. But it must be incredibly one of the most popular apps on the on the system because you have to go there <laughs> for so much stuff. Like it's like the app that's so like a a settings app like that is in such a weird place where no one would be like, I-, I get the iPhone for the settings app or I love the settings app on the iPhone, but like people have to interact with it constantly. Like I messages, think- Safari, then probably mail. And then below that settings app, I'd guess in terms of popularity, you know? Hmm. I, th- 
when I when I came from Android the back in the cupcake days, the settings app was really nice because it was one place that's it felt very polished and and unified. Uh, on the Mac, you know, I wonder you could probably have an experience on the Mac without ever touching the system the system preferences slash system settings app. I just let your up let your updates run when you get prompted, and it's definitely less important compared to iOS. Set your wallpaper from a from a, from a photo. And use use the menu bar for your Wi-Fi, and you know that kind of thing. Yeah, but it, it's it's pretty integral to the system, I would say. But it doesn't get um, home screen billing because there's no like settings icon by default, right? It get, it gets dock. Does it go in the dock by default? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you so can, I guess it take, does get. I guess it does get visibility then. You can take it away. You can, yeah. I take it away. No, yeah. That's why we like. But I, I mean, I open system preferences a reasonable amount. Uh, like, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that a lot of people would be like, "What's the point in complaining or criticizing about a settings app?" You know, but sure, like, sure. there's a lot of there's a lot of um, philosophy and kind of like intention showed by how they treat an app like that because a reasonable amount of people have to use it like if the if the settings app on the iphone was bad people would be upset and complain because it's annoying and is it the is it the best app in the world no but you can clearly see they pay attention to it they reorganize it they add features like searching they they change the categories around like there's obviously care taken there and you click on the screens the screens aren't just a generic list of settings. Like there's human curation and organization and and stuff going into it. And the Mac was even I, the old system preferences, i.e., what we have today, was like embodied that even more because every single screen of system preferences was unique, right? Like they would use the same. They would have like a, a palette of controls, but the exact layouts and the navigation was very tuned and customized to each individual settings pane. And part of that was because some of these settings panes date back 20 years. And so the design like theory of 20 years ago that Apple was using is different to the design theory today. And they didn't update the screen. So although they would have like the modern UI appearance, the layouts and the kind of like metaphors would be, you know, more classical and um, nowhere near as bad as it is, is on like Windows. Because if you use like Windows settings app, you press like two buttons and you're going back to like 1998, I swear. So it's so weird. But the Mac was never that bad. But you can definitely kind of like carbon day age different settings panes based on how they look but each individual one was clearly laid out by a human careful layout of buttons and controls and craig federick even said this as much in the talk show interview uh, this year at wwc he kind of described it as like individual custom bento boxes of layouts because system preferences always had like a very fixed width and it was always designed not to like scroll around or be a very specific size on the screen. Like it was never seen as like a full screen app. And so Apple design has had a very like what 500 by 500 pixel square region where they had to lay out everything related to the specific screens. And so you go from setting screen to setting screen in system preferences and they all look pretty different and all their buttons laid out in very different ways. There's very few just like straight up lists. And it's very carefully designed. And what they've done with macOS Ventura is throw a lot of that away. And a lot of the screens now in system settings are just like endlessly scrolling lists. 
I think there are benefits to some of that, and there are also you know downsides. Like it, whether it was done algorithmically or not, system settings on Ventura it feels more mechanically designed rather than human touch. And I think part of that's purely a practical nature of the fact that you're never going to get this like. 20 plus years of investment have gone into system preferences with new system panes and system settings being added iteratively year after year after year of every version of macOS. If you're going to redesign an app like that, you're never going to be able to match the number of man hours that went into making it, right? So people who have remade it for this year have obviously had to take shortcuts because the amount of hours that has been invested into system settings will never compare to the amount of hours that is invested in system preferences just because it's been around for 20 years, if not longer. Um. So that's always going to be a thing where you can take shortcuts. And I think the shortcuts they clearly have taken with system settings is most screens have been simplified or, you know, mechanically converted to a sidebar and then just a big scrolling list. So if we have a lot of settings before we might have spent, you know, hours carefully laying them out and fitting them in different little boxes and stuff so you wouldn't have to scroll around. Now they're like, look, the window's this big. But you can just scroll a table, table view like your life depends on it. So if you've got lots of settings in the screen, scroll, 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 which matches how iOS works. And there is definitely like understanding about that because people like how iOS works and bringing some of that translation to the Mac makes sense. Uh, and as more and more settings do get added to the Mac, it does become unsustainable at some point. Like at some point, you just have to add more screens. And there are definitely screens in system preferences where they've been constrained by the fixed heights. And so you have to like press a button, then it drops down a new panel, then you press another button, then it drops down another panel, and that's where the actual setting is. Whereas if you're going for a more flatter sidebar, detail view, big scroll along list, although every control might not be visible immediately, it's not you can basically know that if you scroll down enough, you'll find them. So there's there's cost and benefits to each side. So it's a like what's your like general thoughts on system settings in Ventura? Do you think it's bad, good, indifferent? What's where do you kind of fall down, like on it? So in, in my day to day use, uh, I'm I'm certainly getting used to it. It's a big change if you are used to using the system preferences app with the the grid layout, and it does. You know, maybe it's just you know what you're used to. But the other the, the other version, of course, feels more Mac like, and this feels more iOS like. But that's 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 obviously intentional. You know. You have more iPhone users and iPad users collectively than you know, the Mac is the underdog in that way. And there's now a mostly like unified look to the to both of them. It's it's still richer on the on the um, on the Mac though. Like, there's there's some things though that I guess it's using it. Some things just aren't as pretty. Not, I don't think anything's harder though for me to find. It's, I'm not missing anything, but take, for example, I'm in settings, general, and then about, and when you click about, it's just a, the page just flashes to the, to the new view. There's no, nothing smooth about it, no animation at all. And that page gains an about header and a back arrow to go back and, uh, it, that that's just an area where you know could be could be beta could 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 probably ship like this, but that's the kind of thing that you would hope to see more polish in the future, and that's the case for most of these. It's just it feels just like you're going through a slideshow more than watching a settings panel open at all. Whereas on like iOS or iPad settings, 
any any screen you navigate to will slide in from the side so you always get yeah. like continuous smooth animation there yeah 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 whereas for the mac version it's kind of like they've kind of like hacked in a navigation controller kind of structure but it doesn't have mm-hmm. the same you know it doesn't have consistent back and it doesn't have like the toolbar icons because like apple has been slowly introducing the kind of navigation bar detail slidey stuff to the mac over time but it's never felt like super macy <laughs> but they yeah. just keep slowly bringing it in because the main thing is the back button never seems to have a good place to go because like you open the music app the back button's further down you open other apps it's in the very top corner so like whereas on ios the back button you know has been that that kind of structure has been there since the beginning so it's very well defined and very consistent mm. anytime they do it on the mac it never feels a hundred percent perfect yeah yeah the there's a lot of stuff in the general section too that used to be top level and you know time machine for example and now it's you know it, it's it's you have like, to scroll to it <laughs> yeah you've got to you've got to scroll to it open it up and then there's your stuff right there uh but I, you know i'm not sure that, that that's a that's the big loss uh you know I, I, I people that are smarter than me have talked about the performance and everything um you know kind of where it can fall apart and uh, I don't have that experience. You know, my only thing on performance is just the visuals of of how it doesn't isn't as smooth as on iOS. You get the the metaphor of of, of the pages coming in from the side, and then you. I, I don't think the color scheme they use on the Mac helps either, because like the backgrounds of like on iOS, the cells for each setting are like it's like a gray background, and each cell is like white, right, in a little bubble. Mm. And then on the Mac, they have like if they don't have the contrast is a lot worse so it's like you know light in light mode it's like light gray and then the the board the background around the settings is like maybe 10 percent different color <laughs> you know like the, yeah. the 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 separation of the elements is a lot harder on the mac so it kind of just feels like everything's kind of like washing into one another and you don't get the nicely neatly defined lines that help the visual hierarchy yeah, the 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 list view is is fine. I think I would like it to be uh, larger icons and text, but otherwise it, it's fine. They've they've got everything broken up into like pseudo groups where there's a space between certain sections, um, but and that does help you navigate a bit. But there's a lot of gray icons on a gray background with white icons over the gray ones. And it's just kind of mushy like that, you know, keyboard, mouse, trackpad printers are all together like that. Um, and then any of the, the setting screens that have a lot of text and not a lot of visual elements just look bland. And that's probably true before as well. You know, well, you do get more uh, variety in the old way though. Cause like, different yeah. screens would look a bit different in different ways so you, if you if you like your comment about being bland now every screen almost looks the same whereas before mm-hmm. it was you know stuff looked different and maybe you can argue that's bad because usability is you know muscle memory is harder to train like that and now you can now if you're trying to teach someone over the phone how to get to a setting most of the time you can just be like right click the the, the displays button in the sidebar and then scroll down for what setting you need, you know? Whereas in the old way, it was like, depending on which screen, depending on which category of screen you clicked on, the layout and the hierarchy would be very different. Yeah. Screen time is a section that looks pretty good because the big view, when you're in screen time, there's large icons, much larger than the sidebar icons, and also the text labels are larger. So there's a lot of color there, and it's very it's different colors. You've got blue, red, yellow, purple, orange throughout... 
Um, so that's pretty good. The ones, you know, appearance, I, I think appearance is really good because you don't have to do any scrolling to see everything in the view. It, you've just got your appearance modes, light, dark auto, and then accent colors, highlight color, and then a few more options. But, uh, and in that case, you can make, that's where you make the, the sidebar icons larger. It looks, what do you think about the checkboxes? <laughs> like, so in the old system preferences and most settings on the Mac, the way it was laid out was you'd have square checkboxes. So you'd have a left checkbox and the label would be to the right of the checkbox. Um, and you could flick it on and off. What they've done in system settings is made it more iOS-y because you have like the label on the left and then on the right-hand side of the cell, you have a switch, which is you know either blue for on or not blue for off. Um, on iOS, yeah. the switches are nice because they're either bigger, so they're good for touch targets, but also the width of the window is smaller. So the checkbox and the title are like closer together, so they feel more linked. Whereas I feel like on the Mac, because everything's like the the window's wider and the like the labels and the checkboxes are smaller. So mm-hmm. the setting name and the actual thing that changed the setting are, feel more disconnected because they're just further apart. You know what I mean? Yeah. There there are some checkboxes. Output volume has a mute checkbox. <laughs> uh but to- toggles are much more prominent and in, in use. I think they're I think it's I don't have a problem with it the way it looks. Uh, I I don't have a problem with the checkbox. I feel like you're gonna get used to it. I do yeah. have a problem with the label names. So, and this is because they've translated it directly from the old one. So maybe they're going to go through and have a team of copy editors update everything. But if you like, for instance, in that appearance menu, one of the settings is allow wallpaper tinting in Windows, and the checkbox is on the side. Now, allow wallpaper tinting in Windows is written like that because it used to have the checkbox on the left. So the sentence is written with a capitalized first letter and a lowercase Windows because the way you would read the... It would be like you're turning on or off the sentence because of the way the checkbox is laid out. And this is like a Mac Hig thing, you know, human interface guy thing going back years and years and years. If you look on iOS, an equivalent setting like allow wallpaper tinting in Windows would, would not be written like that. It would be written like wallpaper tinting. And then you'd have the on or off switch on the side. So they would have simpler names because they weren't trying to like have sentences for each toggle. Um... Mm. In general, obviously there's some exceptions, but in general, if you look at iOS settings, it would just be called like wallpaper tinting or shows tinting wallpaper, you know, like it would have a more operative word. Whereas allow wallpaper tinting in Windows is written like that as a sentence because the checkbox would be on the left in the old design. So maybe they're going to go through and update them to have, you know, the shorter labels to match the kind of checkbox style. Uh, But as it is today, it's like a direct translation of whatever the old app had. On iOS, it wouldn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> that would only be an example, a, you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will say, if you turn off a lot of wallpaper tinting in Windows, it's more like, like the, the contrast. It's more legible, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Happy Hour is also sponsored this week by Pillow. More and more studies are showing that getting a good night's sleep improves your health and well-being in more ways than you can imagine. Pillow is an all-in-one sleep tracking app that help you be more aware of your sleep patterns and discover what might be affecting your sleep quality. Pillow tracks and analyzes your sleep automatically, and you can check in with a full report of your sleep the very next morning. If you have an Apple Watch, tracking your sleep is as easy as wearing it to bed. If you don't, you can do it through the iPhone or iPad. Just tap a button to start your sleep session. You can even record sounds of the night like sleep talking, apnea, or other noises that might be affecting how you sleep. Use the Pillow app to track trends, get personalized insights, and compare your sleep metrics with your weight, steps, caffeine consumption, and more. Use smart alarms to get woken up at the most optimal time, aiming to wake you up when you are in a stage of lightest sleep. Importantly, Pillow is privacy-minded. 
All of your sleep and audio data is encrypted and stored on your device and in iCloud using end-to-end encryption. Pillow is free to download from the App Store with a set of features that you can use for free every day. Try Pillow's premium features with a seven-day trial. Just visit pillow.app to get started. That's pillow.app to get started. Thanks to Pillow for sponsoring the show. And then obviously in terms of the kind of like fun, whimsy, you know, human touch, obviously a lot of focus has been on the uh, mouse trackpad and uh, thingy settings because Mm -hmm. in the old macOS system preferences, they would have like a a two-up design where on the right-hand side you get a nice big video of uh, the screen and the picture of a trackpad in someone's hand doing each gesture as you hovered over it. And so you could copy visually what the other person was doing, like a pin's gesture or the three-finger swipe. And in the first couple of betas of Macos Ventura, there was no visual indication at all. You just had a load of checkboxes. What have they done in beta 3? Well, as Craig Federighi promised during that talk show interview after WWDC, they did have a new idea in the of how to present this. They just needed to finish production on them, and and they did finish production on them at least enough to include them in this beta. And um, I I think this is probably a polarizing area on 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 macOS Ventura. Uh, the humanity has been removed in place of the actual like human hands on an actual trackpad hardware or you know mouse you get these these two videos at the top um one on the left is symbolic for the trackpad or the mouse and it's just a you know a very thin line in the outline of what what it's trying to show so the trackpad is a rectangle with rounded sides and um to the right of that you've got what is trying to show you your mac you know view experience where you've got a menu bar at the top, a dock at the bottom, and a window in the center. Now, the the and it's all like in this, you know, cartoonish look. So it it's not even made to be like super realism. It's made to fit the aesthetic of the <laughs> the whole view. Yeah, like the trackpad isn't a picture of a trackpad. It's a gray rounded rectangle outline. Yeah, with, and then the the fingers are replaced by two floating blue circles. <laughs> right. Yeah. The I, I I think they're literally harder to interpret, right? Because that's what I was going to ask. Is it just yeah. that they don't like they're not as like whimsically funny because they're not as beautiful videos anymore? Like the animation they have instead is not as pretty, but is it yeah. as functional? And you you don't think so? No, I think it's I think it's literally harder to interpret. I think that there are some good points for how this this method's better, uh, including you no longer have. Uh, I think I think it's I think we both agree it's always been white skin hands no mm-hmm. matter what and um, you know having a default I don't think there's a there's a a great way of going about that and that's a similar to how they've replaced flags representing languages in this update to uh, just the the language name because not all flags represent languages etc so. This is this you know it's a similar spirit to that. Um, I do think though, like you you could do this approach and have the videos be. You, I mean, you can reshape the system settings window by by pain uh, if you wanted to. There's there's a max you can adjust the width. I mean, there's a there's a set width to it. Uh, it isn't like it's super resizable. It can get taller, but it doesn't get wider. 
but you, if you allowed trackpad and mouse could could become wider and you've got these as just larger videos on the side and not um side by side at the top um it's also just a i think a pretty big disconnect of you you scroll down and put your cursor over the setting for like force click with one finger as look up in data detectors um to see that you you can literally have the video scroll out of your view if your window isn't tall enough. Right. So, okay. Yeah. So, so that's that's a UI issue, UX issue. Um, but I mean, I, I I know all the gestures. I'm glad I don't need to look at this and try to learn it. It is in the style of like Twitter's Apple support videos or like the the super basic ones. So you know they, they get away with this. It's also similar to if you were doing. Quick time screen recording your Xcode, I guess, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but all you know, those are also more sophisticated tools. I would say, like I remember being a brand new Mac user in two thousand nine and looking at those videos and learning the gestures quickly. And there's a lot of them, and that was you know around that time frame they were pretty important because there were multi touch was you know coming from the iPhone to the trackpad, and it was uh, a lot more you could do. It was more like a touch screen than than a basic trackpad. Um, and those videos were very, very helpful. These, I, I mean, I'm just kind of trying to translate in my head. Like, do, do I? Does that make? Okay, you got two fingers there. They're doing a twisty thing. You're doing a twisty thing there. Um, once you know what you're looking at, it's, it's you get the gesture. You know what's just less representative though is, you know, I mentioned the setting. Look up and data detectors. You would get. A literal example of what that was on a Mac screen before, yeah. And now you get these generic window blocks that have no actual text. It's just like lines. For it's the like text scaffolded, and yeah. Yeah, and I don't think you get that. You're looking up <laughs> uh, the definition of a word, or the you know historically what an item is. Uh, th- these just aren't very. They're, they're not as good at communicating. They're, they're just. They're, they're, uh, there's nothing better about them except for the fact that you no longer have the element of, of skin color. But um, I do think that that there's a degree where um, you 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 literally remove the human and you re- remove the humanity out of it, and it's it's just a, a worse experience for everyone, especially new users. These these aren't wonderful for new users. I mean, I I I, I don't think the reason they changed it is because of diversity right just to put put it out there but obviously this version is better for that because it doesn't only have one skin tone they could have obviously if if diversity was a key issue they could have been more inclusive they could have done like five sets of videos and then every time you get to the screen it just picks one at random so you get a different variety of skin tones for instance um so there are alternative ways than completely dehumanizing the whole thing but i think that probably wasn't their main reason they just wanted to make it match like modern quote unquote you know restrained design looks of very yeah, abstract yeah. shapes and yeah. and to play it, devil's advocate uh-huh. if you look at i uh, iphone and ipad settings they basically never have any of these videos <laughs> so, well like you there's plenty of gestures you can turn on and off in like yeah. ipad settings and they don't have any tutorial video at all so it was always kind of like an outlier that the mac had this stuff and it was great that it was there um yeah. but it, obviously it's not like critically important because their most important platforms never have any of it mm-hmm. yeah yeah these um this another angle on this is that you you know when when craig said they had they were producing new ones i thought that meant like firing up the cameras (laughs) 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 not like uh, i think that they were before they were uh server provided videos 
they weren't baked into the OS. And I think that these are like animation packages that are baked into the OS. Um, and so you, you, you do also move away from the challenge of having the latest Apple hardware be in the videos. But I think we've discussed this offline before. You, you wouldn't necessarily have your color of trackpad or even your specific MacBook, specific MacBook model, um, or a specific variation of the trackpad in your video. Uh, it, it, it was never that exact. Um, but in this case, that they're no longer making updated videos for updated OS versions and hardware versions and trackpad versions. There seems to be they're just animation packages that are that are included in the OS. So easier on Apple, I suppose. But Apple has resources, and they've been able to do this for a long time. So if you ignore all of those things, I think it's just it's it's net uh, a negative, not a positive in this change. Yeah, specifically on the videos. Yeah, overall system settings. Videos. Settings I'm fine with. Yeah, uh, it is different, and there's definitely places where it's worse. There are also places where it's better. And maybe over the course of the rest yeah. of the beta cycle, they'll have humans go through. Because I, I feel like for the first blush, they just had like a couple of people mechanically convert everything to the new look. And same same text labels, same you know settings order and stuff. And they just shoved it all into these like table views. And so maybe in future betas, they're going to spend more time on various important screens uh, and give it more of a like a human curation in terms of layout and organization and stuff and like the labeled names and stuff and then it would get you know i still think a lot of the charm of the old system preferences and it will never be there because whenever you're changing from something where like each screen is individually laid out by hand to something where it's like it's a scrolling list it's never quite gonna have that same appeal but that's just like whimsy and fun in terms of actual usability probably either net zero or net positive even if you're if you're counting the familiarity of iOS and iPadOS, which should not be understate, understated because that is a huge win. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure where you find your system storage, though. You know, on on macOS before now, it's you, you click on the Apple and you've got about this Mac, mm-hmm. right? And then you've got uh, a window with multiple panes to click through, and one of those is, is storage. Um, now you you get a single window that you can close, and that's all you can do with it. You can move it around and close it. And it shows your Mac model, your chip, your your RAM, your serial number, and your Mac OS version. And then you can do more info, and that'll open the the About pane uh, under General in System Settings. Uh, but nowhere there do you have storage. You can then go to System Report, and that's the you know super not user. Yeah, that's friendly. the in the weeds screen. Yeah. yeah, you're very in the weeds there. Maybe uh, the out the about this Mac thing hasn't been finished yet, and they'll add some tabs or something there. Yeah, I would suspect that because it to go to to go to storage on the uh, system information app is that's 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 a pretty pretty ugly experience. Yes, yeah, so overall, there's no way they're reverting this. It's not like a disaster zone like Safari or anything like. And it's such a big change; they're not going to just undo it all because they, you know, there are there's obviously reasons why they've done this. They're not going to go back and change it back to the old system preferences. Well, what do you think of the Swift UI angle on this too? Because it, it's a Swift UI app. As we mostly it. yeah 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 isn't messages a swift ui app? no message is catalyst it's catalyst oh, okay yeah okay um what are, what are other swift ui apps in the mac very few very few i think the dock is partly swift ui now okay okay yeah cool <laughs> <laughs> but like they could have made this app out of UI key and it had the exact same problems with downsides. Like, sure, yeah, yeah. It could be a Catalyst app, but it could be anything. Um, it could have been an AppKit app just redesigned this way. Like, I, I, I don't, th- I think Swift UI helped them make it faster, but that was, 
maybe it was the driving factor. May, like, if it's going to be the driving factor, what I expect they're going to move towards is that screens of system settings on the Mac will slowly, the code behind that will back screens on iPhone and iPad as well. So, like, they'll take advantage of the, you know, write it once, deploy across three platforms with tweaked UIs. So, by having loads of forms basically on the Mac version, they can then have the exact same forms and backing model code on the ios and on the ios settings as well i don't think that's happened this year but that may be the direction they're going in uh there is like a because it's like swift ui people love to hate on it right but i hate on it for any reasons apart from the fact that swift ui like, i feel like it's kind of irrelevant but there is a funny line where people are like i think swift ui is better for new apps rather than updating old apps with the idea being that whenever they update an old app swift ui it seems like it gets a bit worse like um whereas if you do something from new it seems all right I would say that's A, because the new apps they do write in SwiftUI and stuff are just simpler in general. So there's not a lot of, there's not as much um, stuff to worry about. And secondly, there's nothing to compare it to because the old app didn't exist. <laughs> whereas <Yeah>. the, <laughs> whereas if, you, if you're converting from thingy to thingy, generally SwiftUI is a newer framework, it's less developed, it's less advanced. So if you do rewrite, you're generally losing some stuff in places, especially on the Mac where SwiftUI is a lot further behind something on iOS. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, I don't really want to pin it on SwiftUI in particular because there's nothing about system settings that I'm like, this is bad because SwiftUI is bad, you know? Like, yeah, it's just, that's just the technical decision they've made. Like the, the, like the iOS settings app, they could rewrite that all in SwiftUI and it would look identical to how it looks now. And nobody would be like, SwiftUI sucks. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's... Yeah. So the, on this case, yes, it may be written in it, but I don't think it's like the reason behind anything. I don't, and I don't think it's like a a case where they're using like the mechanically like data source driven modeling of SwiftUI to basically do it all quickly. I'm pretty sure mm. most of these screens are made by hand. Still, they're just using a common layout most of the time. So yeah. I don't think it's like a, 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 a being held back by SwiftUI personally. I found storage. Oh yeah, where is it? <laughs> Yeah, general and then storage. It's it's two slots below about, uh, and then you open it up, and I, I can see why it's its own page. Uh, if you don't have any, you know, you know how they do recommendations like store in iCloud, mm-hmm. optimize storage, empty trash automatically. That takes up a good bit of space. It, it wasn't there at first. It was just the the, the wide storage bar. Um, but once you add that, and then yeah, it, it's loading items. So I guess it's going to show more in a moment, but. I can see why that's its own page. Uh, but part part of it does. I, I would say this. Part of it does feel like they've taken the same exact function and they've they've changed the theme. Almost like if you're on an Android phone and you change the launcher, it does the same thing. It's just a different appearance. Um, and it, and it almost feels like it's wearing like a different outfit or a costume. That uh, you're like you. It won't always feel this way, but it feels like you're using. A layer over the old thing. I think that's because all- a lot of the screens they've just copied all the text and they don't yeah. quite fit with the new layouts, the checkboxes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's system settings for now. Yeah. I'm sure we'll talk yeah. about it again. Yeah. Happy Hour this week is also brought to you by Helix. Are you sleeping on a saggy old mattress? You deserve better. In fact, you might be laying down on that mattress right now as you listen to this show. If that's you, if you're in need of a mattress upgrade. That's where Helix comes in. Take the Helix sleep quiz in just two minutes and get instantly matched with a mattress that is perfect for you. Tune to your sleep preferences and body type. Helix knows that not everyone is the same. They have several different models like super soft, medium and firm. There's even a version that is designed to cool you down if you sleep hot. 
Now, I'm pretty jealous because a while back, Helix sent Zach a mattress. And as you've said on this show before, you really like it, right? Yeah, I've continued sleeping at night after I received it. So that's a good thing. Uh, I took the quiz online. You know, you're not in a store, so you can't just lay on the mattress and, and get the feel for it. But that's also a very bad indicator of what it will be like sleeping on it. Um, so I took the quiz online. You've got a good set of questions that uh, does a good job of interpreting what your actual preference is versus like what it feels like in the moment, um, you know, just for a moment. And I ended up with the midnight mattress, which when I received, uh, it's, it's, it's a total dream. I love sleeping on this mattress. I, I, I miss it when I'm not home, you know, and, uh, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's really good. I like it. So try it out. Take the quiz. Even if you're not, you know, even if you don't know if you're, if this, this is for you and just see what you get and go from there, I would say. So if you're looking for a mattress, just take the quiz, order the mattress that you're matched with, and it comes shipped to your door for free. You don't need to visit a physical store. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So go to helixsleep.com slash 95Mac, take the two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a custom mattress to give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you can try it out for 100 nights for free. If you don't love it, they'll come back and pick it up for you. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for happy hour listeners. So go to helixsleep.com slash 9to5mac now. That's spelled H-E-L-I-X-S-L-E-E-P dot com slash 9to5mac. Thanks to Helix for sponsoring the show. Apple Watch time. We've yes, we spoke a bit about this yeah. model last week, right? And yeah, you know the bigger screen, the non, the non um, aluminium metal, right? And then Mark, after we recorded, followed up with a newsletter post where he was kind of just ruminating, maybe mm-hmm. maybe hinting some stuff he's heard offhand, but hasn't got enough sources to like make a full story out of it. And so he was basically positioning this, what we previously been calling like the rugged Apple Watch. He was speculating like an Apple Watch Pro designation with a, a associatedly higher price tag, maybe in the $900, $999 level. And he wasn't like saying this is for sure happening. This is just kind of his like framing of it as what he thinks yeah. it might be versus... The, the well, story on Bloomberg is the report. Yes. And then this is the analysis. Over Sometimes the informed by little birdies, I think, but in general, just his opinion, you know? Because before this was like the rugged Explorer edition. Now it's like Apple Watch Pro because... The name Apple Watch Pro kind of suggests something a bit different to just like, this is the one for extreme sports. And who knows if they end up calling it Apple Watch Pro, but Mark clearly thinks there's at least some some motivation there, and especially floating the price tag increase. Like, I don't know if it's going to fly. If they if they came out with it as Apple Watch Pro, it, like, is it really going to be able to stand, a, a stand apart from the stainless steel or the titanium models today? Like, and they don't seem to sell very well. Really, like I never see anybody with the stainless steel or titanium models in in real in real life. It's all it's all uh, aluminium ones because they're a lot cheaper. Like a nine hundred ninety nine dollar phone works because a the phone's an essential device and b you get like carrier contracts with subsidies and discounts and stuff. Like I'm not so sure the kind of proness. Like I don't think Apple's gonna be able to repeat what they did with the iPhone with the Apple Watch and just be like, here's an Apple Watch Pro. It's got a slightly bigger screen slightly nicer material and it's a lot more expensive like i don't think that really flies as well we i think we kind of talked about i think we sort of interpreted the report last week 
in the way that his analysis on Sunday ended up going Mm -hmm. and and whether I showed being in between those two things, because I was reading this in this newsletter and I was thinking, this sounds a lot like what I was saying on the podcast last week, which which is that um, to date, they've always positioned the addition and the stainless steel as models that are exactly the same in size. It's just a different case material. And this sounds, and, and, and this sounds like they're not just going to, you know, try that, try that formula. They're going to try to put more into the more premium model. Now, I, I, I think at a thousand dollars and up, that'll have the same hit rate as today, which is not great. And maybe doesn't justify the, the extra engineering and making it a separate line. But, and part of that's because, you know, the iPhone can, can start at like $700, you know, just say 750 or so. And then $1,000 is not, not a gigantic leap to go to. But if the Apple Watch starts around $400 and then goes up to a thousand for the, the more premium version, you know, that, that can do more. That's, that's a bigger gap price wise. Yeah. You're trying to, you're, you're going to have to like justify double and a bit more in terms of value. For the yeah, price to go, increase, yeah. To go from like 400 for a basic Apple Watch, entry level, you know, new model to go to, to like maybe 700, um, you know, 699, maybe 799. That, that's, that's more in line with what the iPhone can pull off. Um, I, I, I do think, you know, the initial report from Mark, this is year two of this thing, you know, was ruggedized, you know, version that's different enough from that it's not the flagship watch it's it's a different version than the flagship watch it's not the main watch um you know pri- price really wasn't part of it those early reports or 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 the case material um now that it's it, it was also sort of like rumored for maybe maybe last year and then of course closer to launch it was pushed back to you know it will not be this year and and now it seems to be intended for this year um I think it's I think it's a lot clearer of what like what this is, and it isn't that like the rumors have changed. It's just there's more details now, and there's just less speculation than there was before. Um, I and I do think that this idea of taking the like good, better, best strategy, you know, roughly of what you you, you do for um, the phones and the Macs, where you've got you know Air and Pro, and then even you know, more pro versions and on, you know, you've, you've got the base, base phones and then you've got the pro versions that Apple likes the technology approach to the Apple watch, Apple, Apple of today. And they're always letting go of the, the launch strategy of luxury and fashion. You know, I, I think if, if the Apple executives of today without the influence of Johnny Ivan team, we're pushing the watch now, like Jeff Williams, you know, these, these would be, you, you might not get stainless steel versions or yeah. you might not, you, you certainly wouldn't get addition. I don't think, you know, you, you, the stainless steel stuff, they do. I mean, they do that material on the phone as well for, for the basic and the, and the pro versions. Um, maybe this, maybe this even becomes like a, a, a change to how you sell the watches and the, premium material just ends up having more specs. But of course, I, th- I think the rumor though, is that you still get aluminum and then steel versions like we've always had. And then this will be something else, some other category. 
Um, but Apple does like that approach of being more like tech, less like fashion, you know, the, and, and, you know, to their, to their credit, they've, they've managed that way with selling this thing, like a computer, like a phone. Yeah. If it's 900 though, hmm, I don't think it's going to do very well. Like that's what struck me most. Cause yeah, like you said, what we spoke about last week was the the general outline of Apple watch pro in terms of how Mark framed it in his newsletter. Although I don't think we used the name, right. But I, when, when we discussed it last week, I didn't have a $900 price tag in my head. I was thinking more like 600, you know, 650, like, yeah. Which you can say, oh, six fifty nine hundred, like that's a third less. It's a big difference because yeah, the and the Apple Watch is what four hundred base, so it's like you're like adding like fifty percent on, so. yeah. yeah, yeah. And I know, like, and I know the stainless steel and titanium models already are like seven hundred ish, right, and and up. Mm-hmm. But that's why I was thinking, you know, it's not a luxury item; it's just like the higher end model. Add on half as much, and you get to around six hundred. That's where I was thinking this thing was going to land. Uh. So the the nine hundred like price spot idea that Mark said was really what kind of shook me there. Sure, yeah. uh, and, and to repeat the point from last week too uh, that I made, the iPhone ten comparison. You know that was you felt like you were getting a, a you know here's the here's the iPhone eight which is you know the obvious update to the iPhone seven, and and you know shares a lot of similarity with the six and six s. And then here's the iPhone ten which feels like it's just from you know two years in the future or more. And you paid the difference in price for the one that felt like it was from the future, you know, and, and it's all, it's all, I think the iPhone 10 is, has dated better than the iPhone eight has. Uh, if you apply that same thing to the watch, you say, well, you know, at our keeping our current prices, we can continue pushing the watch forward with minor changes as, as we've made every year. But for customers who are the most enthusiastic about the Apple watch, um, let, let's, let's make a tier that is the most Apple watch you can get that you couldn't sell as the mainstream watch without raising prices, raising the base price, but at a, at a higher, you know, enthusiast level price, then it's worth, you know, it, it's, it's worth it. Uh, I, I definitely what, think battery life is going to be one of their big sellers for this. Like, yeah, you can call it Apple watch pro and be like, look, you can get four days of battery life. Yeah. Or, or two. <laughs> two <laughs> <days>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> essentially what you're doing is you're taking a model that, you know, co- co- it would be more cost effective if you release it in three or four years, but you're releasing it, you know, at a time when it isn't as cost effective. Uh, you know, I- iPad Pros are kind of like this. You-, you get the the technology much sooner than you would if you waited until you took every iterative step to get there. You know, you get Apple gets the most mileage they can out of a design and feature set. Um, the Pro models, you know, you-, you pay the premium, but you're you're almost you, you know you're you're basically getting the features that will eventually have come to the main line, yeah. or the air line, or the non non uh, you know you know no, no word line. So I, I I'm continuing to think of it like that, uh, and and also that ruggedization, you know, durability, uh, how long it lasts, etc. That that's all part of just this being the the enthusiast Apple Watch, where if you really love the Apple Watch and you want more out of it, you're willing to pay. Uh, a higher price for what feels like a more futuristic version. This, this should be the watch that you can do a marathon with, with the workout running the whole time and not be worried it's going to run out, you know? Yeah, probably. Yeah. 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 Like if you can do 24 hours of, or like 12 hour with workout on or something like that, or 18 hours of workouts on something like that would be. Cause that, like I, like the Apple watch battery life is okay. And, and then until you do like workouts, which turn the heart rate sensor on and then you get cut down to like four hours, you know, which, it was a lot worse. So yeah, the other thing is you you know Apple probably does have 
they, they probably can be more successful at selling the, you know, what is like the enthusiast model, the, the generation from a few years from now, but you can buy a today version. That's probably a better pitch for, for their customers, for Apple customers specifically, than this is the same exact model in a different case material. You know, the, yeah. there's probably a lot of Apple customers who don't care as much about the, you know, the way it looks that they, they think that the aluminum version is, is just fine. You know, and compared to other smartwatches, it's really good. I, it, that's what most people go for because they aren't convinced by stainless steel or titanium or ceramic. But if you can add along the fact that it does more, you know, it's got on a spec page, it's, it's higher up, then that's probably more appealing to more of Apple's customers that, that do have a, um, you know, you, you think, well, if, if you buy the iPhone Pro models or you buy a MacBook, you know, the iPhone Pro, I think, is a lot more connected to Pro as you just want the best version, not the version that is required for your work, you know? Uh, I think I think that applies to the, to the phone as well, you know, whereas the MacBook Pro, it is a lot more tied to performance um, at the 14-inch and 16-inch level. So, uh, you know, in, in some ways, it's taking a more natural approach for Apple, a more natural strategy, and applying it to the watch. And, and you know, probably they, they probably won't be wrong with it, uh, so we'll see. Finally this week, Happy Hour is sponsored by Upstart. If you're carrying the burden of high interest debt, perhaps that's multiple credit cards and only paying the minimums, it's such a tough situation to ever see the light at the end of the tunnel. And often it can be even harder to ask for help. It's just a massive discouraging cycle. Well, that's where Upstart comes in. Upstart-powered personal loans can help you pay down high interest debt all online with simple and easy to understand payment terms. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt or funding personal expenses, Upstart can help you get one fixed monthly payment with a clear and transparent payoff date. Upstart has already helped more than 1.8 million customers on their path to financial freedom. Rather than looking at just your credit score, Upstart's model considers other factors like your income, employment and other information provided in your loan application to help you find a smarter rate for your loan. You can check your rate in minutes, for loans between $1,000 to $50,000 without impacting your credit score. And you can receive funds in as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Don't wait and check your rate today at upstart.com slash happy hour. That's upstart.com slash happy hour to check your rate today. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income and certain other factors provided in your loan application. One more time, go to upstart.com slash happy hour thanks to upstart for sponsoring the show all right next up we have uh apple car stuff talk to me about apple car what's going on here (laughs) (laughs) so the information had this pretty lengthy profile that was titled inside apple's eight-year struggle to build a self-driving car so when i saw this report like come across the email I was like, oh, okay, here this would be interesting because the information does do pretty good rundowns like this. They had a similar one for um, augmented reality headset progress, right? Not not too long ago that we talked about. Um, you can obviously have your own opinions about which bits are true or not, but they generally have pretty interesting with some details you 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 never never normally have heard before, right? In different places. Um, but of course, anytime you're going to write something like that with that kind of title, you're bracing yourself for it to be a disaster, right? Like. So, because you're not going to write one of these reports that is Apple Car development is all good, no no issues whatsoever. It's everything's going great, you know. Like those reports don't exist because then it wouldn't be newsy, right? So, 
to be newsy, you know these profiles are going to talk about the problems and the issues. And it, it would be newsy for the car, though. Well, you, you know <laughs> what I, I mean. Your point, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> someone taking that to it to their editor is not going to get it processed. People, like, there's no story here. It's just Apple Watch car, Apple car development continues. Like you need details, right? And so when you've got a headline like that, I was coming into the story ready to be like, "Oh, this is going to be terrible. The project's going to be." Up in up in flames, it's you know it's disaster mode going on around here. So I read the whole thing. In summary, I came out the other end of it actually more uh, confident about the fate of the project compared to the speculation we've seen, you know, in the last year or so with all the executive turmoil, all the random little bits popped around. It felt like the project really was kind of stuck in its ways and not going anywhere, um, and incredibly turbulent. And this report obviously talks about some of that stuff and how, you know, it does it does some history recap of like when Bob's Manfield ran the project and Doug Field and stuff. But if you talk about the the, the anecdotes they have from the last like two years, for instance, it's less. It was far less damaging than I thought it was going to be. Like, and I'm not saying I'm not saying you know I, I only want to read stuff that's like positive about Apple. Of course not. But like when you're reading a story like that, I'm going into it thinking, okay, we're going to have like some anecdotes here which sound like awful things are going on and this is going to be the snapshot but i read the whole profile and the timeline as it comes out there's some cool details in there we'll talk about a couple in a second but the general headline is like do you know what this project's actually kind of on track now <laughs> like it's had history in the past but they have got um kevin lynch running it now the the last person that left left for personal reasons not necessarily because they were upset about the fate of the project um and so then uh Kevin Lynch has come in now to try and see it through. They are work. They have active, like working prototypes, not just stuff that's running around in labs, right? So yeah, it doesn't. The full autonomy stuff obviously doesn't work perfectly in many many regards, but they're not just like confined to a research and development facility, like doing make believe in a room, like when we heard about Johnny Ive, you know, faking that demo with Tim Cook and a person pretending to be Siri, right, while sitting in a car that wasn't actually moving. Like they actually have stuff going on. They have people out doing autonomous driving on a daily basis, and they have some problems, but generally it's kind of working, right? Like, not reasonably competitive, and they're heading towards making a car prototype that is closer to a final design, even giving it an M codename designation, which generally means that it's moving more towards an actual product rather than a uh, like R and D. Fun, you know, fun and games. So, at the time, I got around the the other side of it, and I was like, hmm, actually, more upbeat than I thought it was going to be, which is not what I was expecting, uh, which is kind of funny. So, here's some like the the report's quite long, and we can go read it, obviously, but some little like tidbits that I found interesting. So, early this year, uh, there was a one of the big problems they've had is they had a what they called the quote unquote jogger incident, which is where. There was a person driving one of Apple's test vehicles around uh, San Francisco and the car almost crashed into a person crossing the street, which is not good. Uh, this happened around January, February time. Uh, they A human had to intervene and stop the car, so they took over, got to safety, and then they reviewed it. They the Apple's teams looked at like obviously put the whole fleet on hold while they investigate the issue. Turned out that it was very likely the car was going to run this person over if the human had intervened. They didn't run the fleet for a few days. They found the issue. They solved it. 
they added an especially exception for that like the 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 pedestrian was on the sidewalk crossing over the road so they added a little exception for it and they carried on right obviously it's very very bad that cars hit people right but issues happen this is still in prototype phase if they've only had if this is so special they had to make give it a special name it doesn't mean they're like hitting people left right and center you know so uh, i was like okay that's that's probably like the worst anecdote in this whole story and it's like that once they might have actually hit someone another issue that came up was craig federighi like the executive turmoil definitely is reflected in general skepticism about whether the project titan is actually going on or not so federighi craig federighi apparently for the longest time has been on the skeptic side of the equation thinking that the project's kind of like out of control and not really going to achieve anything uh similarly tim cook obviously ceo has yet to give the final go-ahead to actually doing mass production of a vehicle even though that seems to be the everything that they're working on the top executive brass have not been like yes it's time to do it so obviously some people inside a project titan are kind of upset that they're not getting that final go-ahead um the 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 full self-driving autonomy is unsurprisingly still a long way off but it seems they are really going for that most of their car designs are based around the idea of not having steering wheels which Mm -hmm. had obviously been reported before Uh, it's unclear if apple's um gonna wait it out and only ship a car when they can deliver a full self-driving experience or if they'll like maybe see the light and be like, look, this is going to take us way too long to actually get there. We're going to produce other vehicles in the interim with less ambitious goals. Uh, Because one of their current design prototypes is a fully autonomous vehicle that has no pedals and no steering wheel, and it has four chairs that face each other. So the idea is that you could have four passengers, two and two, none of them actually driving, just enjoying each other's company, chatting or whatever. Uh, you could have large video screens that come out of the chairs and go up and down and low when you don't need them. There might be a way for the chairs to fold down so a passenger could lie flat and sleep, depending on regulations. Um, so this is the kind of ambition they're going for, being in a fully autonomous vehicle. Of course, achieving the full autonomy buys many years away. And the, the 2025 estimate for a fully autonomous car that we've heard from a few other reports, there's no way that, that, that that's happening. But this is their latest car design, and Apple hopes to gain exemptions from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration to remove the steering wheel and brakes from the car. And last year, they hired the agency's chief counsel, a person called Jonathan Morrison, to help actually get that done. So they are really going for it to try and get the exemption. So clearly, they they think they're going to be able to get the autonomy down, but it certainly is not like they're sitting in a lab with a fully autonomous car that's perfect. So that's still sounds horrifying. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. But I mean, that's the holy grail, right? Like, if they could ship that, it'd be amazing. But it seems still like a bit of a pipe dream. Yeah. That that sounds like you you would only have that product on um, like predetermined routes and uh, maybe you can only markets. buy it in San Francisco, and it only works in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Limited markets and not not a consumer product, but a, a service that you use. <laughs> when you want to get around yeah and the report talks about that originally they were relying on just having high definition map geometry and so the problem of self-driving was a lot simpler because the car would just have a massive database of roads that it could self-drive on and it would know all the mapping and the layout so it could just follow the (laughs) a very first approximation just follow the line you know but apparently around 2019 2020 the um technological driving force was changed so that they're no longer going to rely on having a maps database they're going to rely on like 
inference and ingestion of just cameras detections. And so that means that you don't need to have a high-res map database of your area to be able to drive around it. If they can fix the algorithms, the car could drive anywhere, right? Mm. Um, but that that system is still very much work in progress. However, Tim Cook did apparently get a successful test drive uh, in the early tw- in 2020, just before the pandemic hit. So they're they're confident enough to let the CEO have a fully autonomous test drive around San Francisco. Okay. Mm. <laughs> but the report stresses that obviously yeah. this is, self-driving is a problem in that you can you can make it really well in one area but then those algorithms and those logic you try and, it doesn't go down the street it, you know you take it to a different city and it all fails and falls apart so they're working on it I think it's highly unlikely that, that would ever ship in 2025 let's put it that way but agree, yeah but they're definitely working on making a car. Like I keep, everyone keeps going on about, like, oh, maybe Project Titan is just new car play stuff, oh, or yeah, just yeah. like this. N- it's not true. <laughs> they are, the, the reporting, they are the evidence a car. doesn't back that up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they are making a car. There is so many people working on it. They are making vehicles. They're moving into a new um, facility that's got like its own racetrack and stuff very soon, according to this report. Like they are going for it. Maybe they're going to fail and never actually be able to make it, but they are certainly trying. Yeah. By the way, a common anecdote that people bring up when they're talking about that, um, oh, they're not making a car, they're just making like car software or CarPlay, they always bring up the Apple TV, and they're like, remember all those rumors about Apple making a TV set, and look what that turned into, the Apple TV box. That's just anachronistic, because the, the Apple TV box existed in 2007, and the Apple TV set rumors were started around like 2009-ish, and sure. they were already in the set-top box business, they were already making set-top boxes. The rumors about Apple making a TV set were not misconfused for Apple making a box. They were working on a TV set at the time, uh, at least in research and development phases. And it, yeah. ne- it might never have got to, like, you know, actual product level, but they, they were working on a separate thing that was the product. It wasn't like they just go, oh, no, we gave up and we made a, we made a box. That's just yeah. incorrect. Uh, anal- analyst Gene Monster just really thought it was going to come out next quarter. Yeah. That was <laughs> and, 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 and Jobs finally cracked it, remember, so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I like to drive. You like? Yeah, you don't drive at all, do you? I don't drive. I need to learn. <laughs> you need to learn. It's so fun. I, I, that's 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 okay though. That's that's good. That that's good that you can live in a place where you don't have to drive. Certainly, uh, I, it I helps. That I don't like going places. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Driving, I, I've it, it like driving on a long trip. As long as I've got you know the right media to entertain me, music, podcast, audiobook, it's one of my favorite things to do. I just feel so good after it. Just, just the the journey on its own of driving is is very healthy for me, um, and and that's before you get into you know things that are just more fun like driving certain cars or you know driving motorcycles, etc. But uh, yeah, this it, it will be very relieving to see the first acknowledgement from Apple of of you know product in this category of car. Uh, and you think I, it's going to be a category where they're going to have to announce it pretty far in advance compared to shipping. Yeah, yeah. Because you're not going to be able to hide making all the actual factories and stuff. Yeah, and all, all the... All Regulation. The regulations. And, yeah. Be, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, Tesla does, like, pre-orders for their cars, like, three years in advance, right? And they're, like... Well, everyone does right now, yeah. Yeah, so... Every um, eager maker, at least. So, so I... So... Based on this report, and I know this is like, again, just a small snapshot of the overall thing, if they drop the requirement to need full self-driving, 
I, you know, I'd give a decent bet that they could actually ship a car in 2025, you know? Like, it's not like yeah. they're completely off the wheels and off the road. Like, there is a course there. They're making a vehicle. If they give up on the, you know, the self-driving pipe dream, they can just stick a, <laughs> again, simplifying things a lot, they can just stick a steering wheel back in it and then off they go. They go and make it, you know? Um, so, I don't think it's a disaster. Like, I think it's happening. And based on this, like, like after I came out the other end of the information report, I was more optimistic <laughs> compared to the recent rumors we've had about it, put it that way. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think, uh, you know, you, you say not by 2025, well, they have the self-driving, you know, technology already. Uh, not having the option at all to drive your car manually. You know, we say manual now. Manual used to mean with a transmission that you would change, you'd shift manually. And automatic was your, your, your gear shifting automatically for you. Now manual is becoming, you can drive your car yourself. Um, like no one on the market has done that yet with a, with a car that you can purchase. Yeah, because it's technology. not possible. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but yeah, that, I mean, that is truly breakthrough product if they could make it. Like, I don't know. I like, I, I, I've, people who want to be able to drive, I think you're going to end up being like the people who wanted like physical keyboards on the phones. Like, speaking to someone who doesn't drive you at all, so? yeah. there yeah. is no, once you could, once the car can drive itself, why would you want to drive? Um, you could do. Okay, you can relax. I can tell you. You can do you whatever can drive you, want. you want. You can do whatever you want in that car. You don't have to drive. And again, Apple Car is important to Apple because a, it's a big product. Again, it's funny to call it car product big product with a lot of money, and they can make a lot of margin on it eventually. Yeah. And the iPhone isn't allowed legally allowed to be used when you're driving a car. So <laughs> the Apple experience is. Majorly limited when you walk into a car. CarPlay can go some, def- some, you know, to help to some degree. But if they could take over the entire car, and the best way to do that is to make their own car, they can deliver an Apple experience you could enjoy twenty four hours of your life at home when you're driving and even at work through their devices. Right. So I, I completely get why they're interested in it. Uh, I don't think it's like stupid. Yeah, I don't think it's stupid either. I think that I think that um, Apple offering. You know, Apple putting in the R and D and making a, a car with a steering wheel that you can purchase and drive as a car enthusiast and be very proud of and have a lot of fun in uh, is is appealing the 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 four seater <laughs> the four seater bus ride. I, I'm not that doesn't appeal to me as much. It just, <laughs> it just sounds like a like a public commuter thing that you 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 hop on. Uh, lastly, we've got uh, Johnny Ive. He's he's left Apple in the. In the last sense of it, of, of leaving Apple, <laughs> yeah. he he, uh, he tried to quit twice, and now he's left twice. <laughs> There's no more love from Johnny Ive. A good, good one. So yeah, <laughs> he left in 2019. He started Love From Independent Consultancy. At the time, uh, they said that Apple would be Love From's primary client, and Cook said that Apple and Johnny will work together for years to come. But according to a New York Times report this week, the it was a three-year contract in sun in twenty nineteen. That's come up for renewal, and Apple and LaFormula decided not to renew it. So they have no official connect formal connection anymore. This wasn't announced by either Apple or LaFormula. It comes from sources, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, just, it's it's still been unclear like what has ever come out of the LaFormula contract. Like, what has Johnny's team done for Apple in that entire time? Maybe yeah. a little bit of commentary or advice about the. Augmented reality headset, maybe, um, but certainly not anything crazy. But. Yeah, you, you've not had something that, like, that's the love from thing right there. Yeah, 
like you nothing... also haven't had that in the world either like <laughs> that's true <laughs> yeah like he's working with airbnb and stuff but again you haven't you haven't really made a point to anything of like this is the new johnny ive situation yeah they, i mean they, they said that the 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 new app design is like he's had influence on that but that isn't like a holy johnny ive you know thing so yeah yeah the, um, was that was that was that from chip mickle by the way who, who wrote the book after steve which was largely focused on tim cook and johnny ive i believe so yes yeah so he, he'd be you know he he's he'd, he'd be pretty connected to to recent johnny ive developments and sources around johnny ive so having wrote that book with yeah, interestingly, the contract, um, the, the hunt was apparently valued at around a hundred million. So, yeah, yeah. In, in that book, that was sort of the the ending. What was was that? You know, he he left, but he also was was given a lot of money. Yeah. To do nothing. <laughs> to, to to leave. Yeah, yeah. To leave. Yeah, because the the contract uh, apparently prevented Johnny from working with people Apple deemed competitors, and. One of the reasons they're not renewing the deal is Johnny wants to work with whoever he wants without him to get approval. Yeah, and, and Apple executives don't want to spend the money on Johnny with, with what they're receiving. Right, which I can imagine this might be the source, Trip Mickle's source in this case, is that there are disgruntled Apple executives who are like, why are we paying Johnny Ive, who doesn't even work anymore, $30 million a year to do basically nothing, uh, yeah. you know, when I'm only getting $10 million a year. And so now they're really happy that they haven't renewed it, so they've gone to the press about it. <laughs> yeah. So tomorrow, Johnny Ive will announce he's working with Samsung. <laughs> Hasn't happened yet. He's had a data, a data to do it. It, it. it would be cool just as a you know a fan of Apple history and design and, and Johnny Ive's work to to see more public facing things from from the front. Uh, yeah, give us something new to dig our teeth into. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, well, maybe maybe they'll be more incentivized to do that now because the last few years they're probably just living pretty on hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, you know, there's an interview today um, from who did this? GQ, GQ, and I think the the European yeah. GQ magazine did an interview with uh, Ev- Evans Henke. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and, and a couple of other uh, Apple folks that are tuned into design, and um, it was about the MacBook Air, which you know releases this, this weekend, and about the design ideas there how how it was designed in tandem with the macbook pro which you know you can look at that and see really i couldn't have guessed that <laughs> yeah yeah and it, was, it, it was a little bit of commentary on the first macbook air which had the the io latch where you pull down a little door and there, there were your ports and uh about the the macbook 12 inch macbook and, and how they just had to make choices about how much they could fit in and then there were certain things they couldn't fit in that that small package which i, I kind of thought maybe that was just commentary on that they 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 don't they didn't go wild on deleting things from the MacBook Air ever really and and then that that was the one that you had to delete things from and and maybe that you know that that rumor is is you know you don't you only have it from Mark Gurman as a thing coming not not this year next year but you know kind of out there so I don't know but um that. For for Evans Hankey, we've seen a few interviews, and 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 the design interviews, you know, the interviews with Apple designers are, are not common. They weren't common with Johnny, and they're they're not they weren't common in the in the period where Johnny was less involved. And you only have a few uh, per year, if if that. Um, but I but I you know I, I there was there was some some talk that it was like uh, coincidental that it or you know it's in no way coincidental that 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 
story came out and then Apple has this ready to go. But um, no, I think, I think that actually is coincidental. And I mean, if, I think if they want to time prove that design is still important to them, they should put Evans Hankey on the Apple leadership page. Yeah, the structure there where Evans Hankey and the, and the whole design group reports to Jeff Williams, you know, chief operating officer. Um, I guess they're trying to correct a problem where they made Johnny too big and didn't, and they don't want to repeat that. But but I do agree that having a having a face for design and not just the the person who says yes or no, we can do this, or provides the general direction of what you can do, you know, with, with Jeff Williams, but having the the team where without them you wouldn't have the same products that would be a, that would be good uh, right, they have, they, have the, they don't have to even make him an, an svp they could put her in the vp section below you know like mm-hmm. i think having yeah. no design going from having an svp of design that was <laughs> as prominent as johnny ive to then be like yeah. we're gonna have nobody <laughs> it, yeah i think it's kind of a bad reflection it, it, at least externally like if and internally maybe it reflects that a design is less important now than it was which i think is is sad but so far that doesn't seem it doesn't to be fair doesn't seem to be the case but right they could yeah. just make like they gave johnny i have loads of tiles to make it the pr good like just give evan hanky a you know position on the leadership page i feel like it's symbolic enough to matter yeah and, and of course that you know for johnny that goes back to steve jobs days yeah and his personal friendship with, with steve jobs and connection but uh and and you know have the understanding of Tim Cook's not 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 no interest in design, but just lack of input there. Yeah. And and they stopped doing the videos, right? Which is the other thing. Like, yeah, every every new product you get the Johnny I video, and you and, got the videos because Johnny wasn't a good speaker. Yeah, yeah he didn't so want to present, videos. right? So they yeah. did videos, but now they don't. It's not like they have a design section really when they announce like the new Maverick Pro. Like, yeah. like Johnny would be like, and we. We we spent so much time making this incredibly new milling process, and the you yeah, know, there's the, value in that stuff. The fluoroelastomer would wrap perfectly around the cake. You know, like you'd have I that. Mean, like, it, it does literally get parried, but there's, there's a level where you can still do that because you know, not just for hardware, but for software as well. Evans Hankey did. An, do, you, do you remember that she's done one voiceover so far? Do you remember what it was? No, I don't. The AirPods Max. AirPods Max. When they announced the AirPods Max, it was not done as part of an event. They just released it on the website. But the video yeah. was literally an, a, a Johnny Ive design video, except it was uh, narrated by Evan Sankey. That exists? Yeah. I think I'll look, I'll take a look at that. Yeah, up. you have to look at that after the show. <laughs> yeah. 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 Huh. So the AirPods Max get a design video, but not any of their like, actually important products. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, the, the most important thing here is that Apple's functional design has improved, and and um, you know, since since the Johnny era has 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 ended, and they've still got their design chops, and and arguably they're doing a better job of of shipping functional design without compromises. All right, that is the Happy Hour podcast this week. If you have any feedback for the show, you can email Benjamin and I together at Happy Hour at nine to five Mac dot com. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe. Uh, we have an ad-free version in Apple Podcasts for $4.99 per month or $49.99 per year. Uh, we also appreciate anyone who supports our sponsors and follows the show anywhere. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ApolloZach. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. And Benjamin, you're on Twitter at BZMAO. And we'll be back next week to talk MacBook Air. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.